This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. This is Bruce Bennett with NASA Tech Briefs. I'm speaking with Dr. Jacqueline Quinn, an environmental engineer with NASA's Surface Systems Office at the Kennedy Space Center. Dr. Quinn, how long have you been with NASA and what inspired you to pursue a career with them? Well, I've worked for NASA for um, over 20 years, and um, I'm a graduated from Georgia Tech um, with my undergraduate degree, and I and explored NASA's opportunities of employment and just was so intrigued by all the different areas of science research that NASA does initiate. Um, they're just, you could do research in, in my field and um, areas where I have interest in, in the environmental field. Um, I'm stretching all the way out to exploration um, into deep space, and I don't know too many other agencies or companies that afford uh, such a broad spectrum of, of career interest for newly graduating engineers. So that's one of the reasons that, that I picked NASA as, as my uh, place to take my first employment with. In April 2007, you were inducted into the Space Technology Hall of Fame for your part in helping to invent an interesting substance called Emulsified Zero-Valent Iron, EZVI for short. What is EZVI and how does it work? Well, EZVI is an environmental cleanup technology. Um, it was designed to treat very high concentration uh, chlorinated solvent contamination that ended up in the groundwater. Um, as you may or may not know, um, you know, uh, the EPA didn't wasn't established until um, you know late 1970s, mm-hmm. and um, you know NASA had already put a man on the moon um, in 1969. So there is a quite a lag in in the United States in regulations regarding disposal of contamination, and so NASA um, has some problems that it's addressing with regards to contamination. And one of the problem areas is dealing with real high concentration chlorinated solvents. Um, we used chlorinated solvents uh, to do degreasing of rocket engine parts and um, followed guidance for disposal that existed at the time, uh, not knowing that it would uh, perhaps in leave a, a legacy of, of contamination behind. So one of the challenges we have in environmental cleanup of these chlorinated solvents is how to address the really high concentration stuff, the stuff that exists as a pure product. And EZVI addresses uh, that particular problem itself. EZVI is an emulsion system, emulsified zero-valent iron. It's a water-in-oil emulsion, and how it works is it pulls contamination from the groundwater and the surrounding soils in the aquifer inside of each emulsion droplet. These droplets are micron size um, particles in diameter and um, each little bubble is sort of its own little um, reactor or Mm -hmm. degradation um, bubble and inside the contaminant is drawn inside the emulsion droplet and it is degraded by the presence of the iron and water inside um, the reaction, inside the emulsion droplet. So in a nutshell, that's pretty much how it works. What led you and your colleagues to believe that a simple mixture of iron particles, vegetable oil, water, and a surficant would have the effect it does on on these chlorinated solvents? Was this a theory your team had developed from the start or the fortuitous result of research into some other area? Well, when we first started working on this, um, which was in the late 1990s, um, there was a lot of emphasis out there on using 
um, iron to clean up chlorinated solvents. And iron and water will degrade chlorinated contaminants when it's in the groundwater and it's in a dissolved phase, um, meaning that it's not existing as a pure product, but it's dissolved into the groundwater. And so that technology, although it works great and has wonderful application, it does take a long time to clean up a product if you're dealing with very high concentration contamination because you've got a product that's got to dissolve into the groundwater, flow through a bunch of iron and water that's put into the ground, little chiplets of iron, and then come out the other side clean. So it doesn't really um, address the high concentration contaminant. So our vision was to take uh, the reactants and encapsulate them in an oil bubble so the reactants being water and iron and the oil bubble um, being vegetable oil. And if you um, go by the old adage that, that like likes like. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to encapsulate the reactants in something that we know the contaminant is attracted to. And because they tend to aggregate together, we knew that the DNAPA would move over into the vegetable oil and that there would be a, a concentration gradient that would drive it into the reactive portion of the, this reactive bubble. Um, and so it really truly was a um, not just a fortuitous thing that was stumbled on, but actually a design element that was implemented um, with the chemical background. How were these chlorinated solvents typically treated before the invention of EZVI? Um, well, the general in the 90s and, and late and into the 80s, 80s and 90s, most uh, of the accepted remedies were to pump the groundwater to the surface and treat it in some sort of surface reaction um, chemistry to get the contaminants out of the groundwater, and then you would pump the groundwater back into the ground. Um, that was pretty much the standard status quo. And, of course, you know, you're only getting out maybe, you know, a, a hundred gallons of contamination or, you know, a hundred pounds of contamination over a year or over a lifetime of operation. So you're only getting that dissolved phase effect, um, affected. So uh, that was pretty much this nominal way of doing things or through this passive treatment through the iron walls was something that was evolving in the 1990s. But um, as we got to the end of the of the the decade um, towards the 2000s, there started to be a lot of emphasis on how do you clean up the product, the mm -hmm. really high concentration stuff. Will this remediation technique work on any other forms of pollution? Um, yeah, it works on any um, halogenated uh, compound, which in fancy terms for it works on pesticides, it works on your um, dry cleaner fluids that may have been ended up in the subsurface as well, um, and work on some of the freons or fluorinated compounds. And some interesting research has recently come out of some of our um, science compatriots out of Colorado, and they've done some um, recent tests and shown that it works for polychlorinated biphenyls, or PCBs. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been pretty um, recently in the news as a contaminant of interest. Has EZVI technology been licensed for commercial use yet? Oh, yeah. Um, it's got, I believe, seven or eight licensees right now, um, and it's been used in over 16 states throughout the U.S., and is either been used or in the um, process of being used um, overseas in Europe and in Asia as well. You're currently working on the RESOLVE project, RESOLVE being an acronym for Regolith and Environment Science and Oxygen and Lunar Volatile Extraction. What is the RESOLVE project, and what is it designed to accomplish? 
Um, well, Resolve is a is a prospecting instrument. It prospects for volatiles and resources that NASA may be able to use on a different planetary body to help with their exploration or human habitation of the um, the area, the body of interest. So Resolve is um, it's a mounted Resolve is it is an instrument that's mounted on a rover, mm-hmm. and it has a drill that accompanies it, and the drill uh, takes a meter sample, meter deep core sample of soil, or regolith as we call it when you get off of the earth, um, takes a, a core of that regolith, brings it up, crushes it, puts it into a reactor or a fancy term for an oven. It heats it up, causing any volatiles such as you know helium, argon, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, um, water ice, which is particularly of interest. Um, it causes those to volatilize, and then we detect those in, those volatiles of interest using uh, analytical instruments such as a gas chromatograph and a mass spectrometer. And we can both quantify and qualify how much um, material, how much resource is there. And in certain instances, if it's water, for example, we can actually capture that water and store it. Resolve also has the capability of taking that soil and extracting the oxygen from the mineral content out and collecting it in the form of water, which would be used later to either make um, propulsion or um, either make propellants for propulsion or could make oxygen for human habitation breathing air. So it's a it's a prospecting tool. It's kind of like a miner. It goes out and says, um, what what do we have here that we could use for um, either uh, continued habitation or to get to another location or to return to Earth as a resource? Have any promising new technologies come out of the Resolve project to date? Well, we've had some um, interesting challenges with Resolve. Um, In order to get um, the oxygen to be liberated from the mineral content, we generally take the temperature up to about 1,000 degrees Celsius. And getting all the valves to open and close and um, not get overheated during that process is is very challenging um, because we're we're talking about a vacuum uh, system that, you know, the the reactor or the oven Mm -hmm. is is in vacuum. And keeping those volatiles inside um, and and being able to detect them and to work with that high temperature has been challenging. And uh, some of the the, uh, innovative technologies come out of that is some um, latching valves and also... um, some modifications to some commercial off-the-shelf uh, gas chromatic gas for the detection um, of those volatiles. So yeah, we, we've had a couple that um, that have been developed as we've taken um, resolves through the technology evolution stage. Um, a couple of them may even make it into commercial applications, um, and we've actually used some commercial applications to help us make resolves. So it's definitely been a two-way street. NASA is currently undergoing a change in direction with less emphasis being placed on lunar missions and more emphasis being placed on things like an eventual mission to Mars or landing on an asteroid. What impact, if any, do you think this will have on the Resolve project? Well, um, Resolve was designed with um, a lunar mission in mind. However, um, you know, it is a prospector for volatiles, and NASA has an interest in utilizing resources, um, whatever its mission destination may be, um, as, as is necessary to support deep exploration and is necessary to support human habitation. 
So um, in, in my vision, Resolve, although begun as a lunar um, prospecting tool, certainly has application to either an, a NEO or near-Earth object asteroid um, landing or a Mars landing. I mean, we know there's water ice on Mars, and understanding where it is and how to harvest it is definitely, um, you know, within Resolve's capabilities for certain, as is it um, applicable to an asteroid landing. I mean, you know, we go to an asteroid to look for resources or to, to understand what its resources are so that if it's, you know, for planetary protection, for example, if you wanted to, to move that asteroid out of Earth's trajectory, presuming that, it, you know, we would have that situation some untold for futuristic time, um, the ability to use the resources to help push it out of the way might be an opportunity um, to demonstrate the capabilities of, of resolve, you know, being able to say, Mm -hmm. Do we have water there, and could we use this water to uh, produce the steam or, or generate the steam to move it out of its current um, project, uh, trajectory? Okay. Um, we could also use the, the NEO as a stepping stone to get us to Mars, understanding how um, the in-situ resource utilization technologies work in a, in a microgravity situation um, and testing them out on a NEO. So although, um, you know, as you pointed out, it, it was originally um, destined to be um, an, er, applied to Earth's moon and prospect for water ice on the south poles of the Earth's moon. It certainly has the ability to morph into different uh, prospect, prospecting tools being used at a different area. Thank you, Dr. Quinn. We at NASA Tech Briefs appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Certainly, it was my pleasure.